Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. Using unscoured wool that retained its natural oils, lanolin, which made the garments water-resistant and meant they remained wearable even when wet. So when you're, you know, at the bow just trying to fight back those waves, yeah. you can still make forward progress. Yeah, yeah, you're trying to not just fight back the waves, yeah, bring but the, the what they've catch. unleashed, the Kraken. And the Kraken is trying to eat all the stuff that you've got. So this, so I bought this Going in Ireland. Back ceaselessly into the past. I bought this, and I think I bought it in Ireland. I think I'm not even sure. I don't really remember. It's been such a long time. Or hex. But I, I could have bought it in hex. Yes. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. All righty, then we are loaded today. Um, we have the two games, and you can talk almost endlessly about the two games. And we have, since the last time we met, the passing away of two people who are enormous in the culture. Henry Aaron, who is, as far as I'm concerned, the home run king with mm-hmm. 755. And Larry King, whose interview show on CNN was the greatest interview show ever. It really was. It was every night. It was great. I mean, if you look at the history of cable television, cable television is a fairly recent phenomenon in the last 35, 40 years. I work on cable television. It's not regular television, it's cable television. And the biggest people in the history of cable television, I would say, are uh, Larry King and Bill O'Reilly. I, w- I would say they're one and two in whatever order you want. I would say Larry King is one. Um, so we can talk about that, but let's get to the games first, if we could. The Kansas City game, <clears throat> the late game, Kansas City-Buffalo, that went pretty much according to talent, I think. Uh, Kansas City's the best team in football. They were last year. They are this year. They're the best team. Um, Buffalo got off to a 9 nothing lead. Buffalo got a field goal on its first opportunity and then punted when it was stopped. A muffed punt inside the five, I think. And Buffalo put it in, missed the point. But it's 9 nothing. It's 9 nothing. Buffalo. And you say to yourself, whoa, maybe this is a game. What an aggressive play calling early going for it because you knew you had to put up points early. Yeah, because Buffalo doesn't really have a whole lot of offense. You know, they, they don't. Well, Kansas City scored 38 of the next 44 yeah, points. Why don't we go ahead and spot you that 10? Oh, you'll take nine? Okay. Spotting <laughs> them nine, and then it's, then it's 38-15. It's, it, there's no game. There's no game there because Kansas City is that much better. I tried to say this the other week about the comparison between Kansas City and Buffalo. Buffalo has Stephon Diggs. He's a great receiver. Kansas City has two great receivers. They have Travis Kelsey and they've got the kid out of the backfield, Tyreek Hill. They have two great receivers. Their quarterback is better. Jared Allen, Josh Allen's very good. He's very good. Mahomes a wizard. He's the best player in the world. It's like Aaron Rodgers was the MVP this year. There's no question about that. But Mahomes is the best player in the world. You have these MVPs in basketball. You have Antetokounmpo and you have, who's the guy from the Clippers? Kawhi Leonard. They're not the best players in the world. LeBron James is the best player in the world. Everybody understands LeBron James is the best player in the world. If you don't think that, you're not really paying attention. So Patrick Mahomes is the best player in the world. So he goes to the Super Bowl for the second straight time. That's a lot. He's got a chance to repeat as Super Bowl champ for the first time since 2004. That's 17 years ago. You know who repeated in 2004? The other guy in this Super Bowl, Tom Brady. (laughs) That guy, Tom Brady, is going to his 10th Super Bowl. Let me try to put this in perspective if I can. Michael Wilbon is going to be on the show later. He, he hates Tom Brady personally, and, and he'll claim he doesn't, but he does. I know he does. You know he does as well. Hates Tom Brady. 
He's always felt that the best quarterback he ever saw and the best quarterback, therefore, of all time, because he saw him, was John Elway. John Elway's been to five Super Bowls. I believe that's the most of any quarterback. I don't think any quarterback's been to five. I think they've been to four. Bradshaw went to four. Kelly went to four. Um, Montana went to four and won them all. But I don't think anybody's been to five except Elway, who lost the first three and won the next two. This guy is in his 10th, in his 10th. So you need, for a comparison as to how incredible that is, go to golf. Jack Nicklaus won 18 majors. Until Tiger Woods came along, and I believe, and most people would agree with this, Tiger Woods for 10 years was the greatest golfer of all time, even better than Nicklaus for 10 years. But before Tiger Woods came along, nobody else had won nine, eight, maybe eight. And Nicholas lapped the field. Nicholas doubled it. This guy Brady has doubled it. Brady is in his tenth Super Bowl. The dog is barking. There's a dog across the street, and the dog is going to bark. Well, then for to, a while. Ex- to extend that comparison, you don't even know if you're looking at say Brady's '86 Masters because you actually saw this coming. You know, with the decision, with the receivers that he finally had after not having that firepower. Wilbon laughed at me. He laughed at me when I said when they got when they signed Gronkowski. I said they're going to Super Bowl. Wilbon laughed at me on TV. Laughed at me, said I was a fool. But like they're but in the like Super Augusta, Bowl. it's like he's playing at his home course because That's right. they are playing at his, in his stadium. That's right, except without a lot of fans. And he's not had the experience of many fans. And when you say it's his home track, it is technically, but you know, we all think of him as New, the New England Patriots. But it's 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 remarkable. Did he have a great game? No, he threw three picks. One was a deflection, but two of them, the first two, two were bad. terrible. They were terrible picks. But he also went deep more than you ever thought a 43-year-old could go deep. Ben Roethlisberger can't go deep anymore. Drew Brees can't go deep anymore. Phillip Rivers can't go deep anymore. Tom Brady at 43 still can. And the play of the game, it's, it's an unbelievable lapse on the part of the Packers. It's so terrible at the end of the first half. It's so terrible. It's a Hail Mary. It's the last play. What are you doing singled up? What are you, nuts? It's terrible, terrible play. And that's, you know, that's, in effect, the winning points. And that's not even the story of the game. The story of the game is the third down and the fourth down with the Packers. On the third down, when Aaron Rodgers seems to have the whole right side of the field available to him so he could at least get inside the five on third down. At least he could slide at the five or something like that, giving him a fourth down play that's more manageable. So he throws it instead. I would say that he made the wrong decision. And then Matt LaFleur decides, well, we'll kick a field goal. We'll kick a field goal. We'll get the ball back because we've got four timeouts. we got three timeouts and the two-minute warning. They never got the ball back. Rodgers said after the game, I sort of thought I'd get a chance on fourth down. Rodgers will not be the quarterback of Green Bay again. That's it. You saw his last game. And by the way, he's one and four now in championship games, which is Donovan McNabb land. It's not good. And he's a great quarterback. He's a Hall of Fame quarterback, and he's the MVP. That's not a good record. And Brady slides in <laughs> to the 10th one. It doesn't matter if he wins. He's already won six. What did you think of those decisions? It's the the path to get here. When you're thinking about the decision last spring as to where to go and to do it so intentionally to get the the weapons that he needed. (coughs) Didn't even have time to practice And then the first half of the season where... He doesn't even know who they are. It basically ends with that second loss to New Orleans where you say... Experiment over. This was a failure. Can't communicate right. with the coach. That's right. Is he going? Arian's to, a fool. Is he going to retire? Then you look yeah. at this and go. That was actually his spring training. And you look at them going through the going through 
Drew Brees, going through Aaron Rodgers on and, the road. Yeah, and now he's got a chance to go through Patrick Mahomes. If you go through Brees, Rodgers, and Mahomes, and you win this, you know, I mean, what we're gonna was gonna sound repetitive. Brady's great. Well, we know Brady's great, but but who goes through that if that's possible? Do, there, do there, I think they're gonna win? No, I think Kansas City's the best. There are thing. so many small things that just show his general awareness of the clock and what's going on in the field. There's one second down where it looked like he was getting a lot of pressure. He might go down and take the sack, and he targets and finds Gronkowski, who had not yes. been doing anything but blocking for the last three weeks. He didn't even think he was gonna play at the end and of the first half. Like Twenty five yards. He put on his he's put on his parka. And then he went back out there, made a small pass, and then they called time, and then they throw I'm, that one. Then I've never seen Aaron Rodgers be under that much pressure. You saw the early sacks, and you just wonder, did that start to influence the decisions that you saw in that third down and maybe even the fourth? Yeah, they're, Tampa Bay's defense is good. That's good defense. I think they've won seven or eight in a row at this point, and, and they've made fools out of everyone. Fools. I didn't, I didn't see that. I thought Rodgers would win the game. I did. I thought Mahomes would win, but I thought Rodgers would win. Let me get to um, Henry Aaron, however, briefly. Um, he's just an American hero. You know, he chased Babe Ruth, endured all sorts of horrible threats of violence to himself and his family, and went out there and hit it and kept going. Got to 755 and didn't take any steroids. You know, you can tell me that 762 is the record. Is that what Bonds has, 762? Mm -hmm. And Henry yeah. Aaron even said, you know, I... I I yield to Barry Bonds because he knew his dad. He knew Bobby Bonds and all that. And he's never said a bad word publicly about Barry Bonds. But most people who follow baseball think Henry Aaron is the home run king. Most people. You know, I mean, I don't even think that people think that when McGuire hit 70, I don't think they thought he was the home run king. And when Bonds hit 73, I don't think they thought that. I think they thought these were steroid-addled people and that they were cheating. And so it didn't really matter. So it's prodigious. It's wonderful. I mean, these are Bonds is one of the greatest hitters of all time. But I think of Henry Aaron as the home run king. And Henry Aaron lived a good and full life and was not controversial, but worked behind the scenes and in front of the scenes for the equality of all people and did a great job and was the right man at the right time in the way that Jackie Robinson was the right man at the right time. And of Larry King, um, and we will have Leon Harris on who worked with Larry. Leon, Leon's on page one of the post yesterday interviewing Larry King. It's a picture of Leon's back, but it's Leon, and he's on A1. That's pretty good. I haven't been on A1. Good for him. <laughs> I worked there. I went on A1. So good for him. And he can. He worked with Larry King. He can talk about that. And he can also, he lived in Atlanta, not when, not when uh, working for CNN, not when um, Aaron was playing, but he has a, probably a sense of how Aaron is viewed in Atlanta. And Wilbon will be on. We'll talk about Larry King. Larry King was a dear, dear friend to the PTI show. He was quoted a number of times you know, countless times, really, of saying the PTI show was the best show on television. He loved us. He loved the show. He came to the show a couple of times. He was a dear friend. Um, we liked him so much that over the last X amount of years, at the opening joke of the show, half the time it's, it's about somebody old, and he goes, it's Larry King. It's like the dinosaurs were there. It's Larry King. You know, the, they discovered a prehistoric egg. It's who went to school with him. It's Larry King. We can't do that anymore. It's over. We can't. We can't do that. But Larry loved it. Larry loved that. Every time I was in Los Angeles, I would have breakfast with Larry at uh, Nate Now's. And then, then Larry jumped in and owned his own bagel joint, the Brooklyn Water Bagel Place, a um, couple of blocks from Nate Now's. So, I mean, Larry was, was a joy to know. Um, he, is, he created the character of Larry King. It's not his name. It's not who he is. He created the suspenders. He created the style. He created all of that. 
He was a, read, read the obits. He was a bust out deadbeat gambler in Miami for a long period of time. He was sued by a million people. He went bankrupt countless times. And then he became Larry King and Larry King ruled the world. We will take a break. When we come back, Michael Wilbon will join us. We'll talk, we'll talk about the game. Wilbon was also, he had three TVs on. He was watching both the men's and the women's golf yesterday. I was talking about Nelly Corda to me. I said, Would you, I'm just watching this game. He said, you need more TVs. Uh, Wilbon will join us when we return. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Watch the most anticipated movie premieres of the year like never before. Beginning January 29th, watch Academy Award winners Denzel Washington, Rami Malek, and Jared Leto, or is it Leto? I think it's Leto, but I'm not sure. In the psychological thriller, The Little Things, in theaters and on HBO Max on the exact same day. Available to stream at no extra cost to HBO Max subscribers. Plus, with HBO Max, you can stream the greatest collection of series and exclusive Max originals all in one place. Discover something new to watch such as the HBO original, The Undoing, the Max original, The Flight Attendant, and the new two-part HBO documentary, Tiger, which I've seen most of at this point. Go to hbomax.com or download the app to sign up and start streaming today. The Little Things is rated R and is available to stream on HBO Max for 31 days from its theatrical premiere. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. This is sent to us by Tim Wheeler on behalf of his son, Cole. And Tim writes, longtime listener, occasional emailer, attached to three songs my 17-year-old son, Cole, just released. He's a senior at Oakland High School in Oakland, Illinois. There are about 20 students in his senior class. My wife and I are proud of his creativity and hard work. His music is available on Spotify and Apple Music. This is called Sleep. And he, Cole Wheeler, says, you have my permission to play these. He's 17 years old. Nigel, have you listened to these in full? I have. They're, they're instrumental, but they're very lovely. Very lovely. Wow. That's good. Michael Wilbon joins us now. Do you know where Oakland, Illinois is? Do you know where that is? I don't, you know, Tony, I was just thinking as I heard it, I, I, I don't know that I do. It, it, maybe there's one hint that could set it off for me yeah. and tell me, oh yeah, I know where that is, but I, off the top of my head, I don't. But you're going to guess it's in southern Illinois and not near Chicago, right? You're going to guess that. I was going to guess it's south of, well, you got to be south of the city. Um, I yeah, was going to yeah, guess yeah. south, but I was going to say, yeah, it might, you know, an hour south. I don't think it's like in okay. southern Illinois, like near Carbondale or anything, but I could be wrong. Right. I could be wrong about okay. that. It's Below in eastern Champagne. central Illinois. Yeah, south of University of Illinois. Okay. South of Champagne. Okay. All right. All right. Let us get to the games. Let us get to the games. And let's start with the better of the two games, the Green Bay-Tampa Bay game. And, and, and there's a million things to talk about. You know, Aaron Rodgers was in the red zone a couple of times and couldn't get him in. Tom Brady makes a throw at the end of the first half. That's a disgrace for the Packers. I mean, you just cannot yeah. let that happen. But, but the, play, the, the game hinges ultimately on two plays. 
On a third down play where Rodgers doesn't run, and it seemed to me, Mike, that he had could get to at least to the five on the right-hand side. A couple of plays in that series I thought he could have run. A couple of Yeah, plays. and then Matt LaFleur taking the ball out of his hands on fourth down. And I, I, I'm telling you this, he's played his last game for the Packers. He's not coming back to the Packers. That's it. But what did you think? What did you think of that sequence? I just thought the Packers played stupid football largely. Mm-hmm. I thought there were a couple of things that got for me. The Packers that sequence it, it, I didn't like the plays. Um and I just thought and the referees were horrid. I mean, once you establish you're going to let people sort of play. bug each other, then let them yeah. play. Don't don't make that stupid call down the stretch. That the I, end. I don't know if the Packers oh. could have survived it anyway, but but don't you don't do that. They they let they let Tampa get away with all kinds of holding penalties and they called nothing. And then they called they yeah, okay, he held. But so did the so did Tampa. The whole game. Their defensive backs did that. So that I was annoyed at that. Um but there were times I, I just didn't understand what they what they what they were doing, what the Packers were doing offensively and what they were calling and they got I don't know, they got some pass happy sequences where you run the ball. Keep that defense honest. And they didn't do it. And so whoever's calling the plays, and I guess it's LaFleur, with, with, with obviously it's a package of plays that come in, and Aaron can select some of his own. I just didn't like it. They didn't play well. And Aaron, and Aaron didn't play well either. I mean, not, not, he, didn't, he did not have an MVP uh, player's game. He didn't have that. And, and they needed him to – they didn't even need him to have an MVP game. He had to have a, a seven-and-a-half to eight performance, and he had like a six. And that, that surprised me. He had the whole right side of the field open on that third down. A couple of and, times. And then, and then what you have on fourth down, you four down. But even if you don't score, Tony, you get close enough where yes. the fourth down is more manageable. Yes. So and it, he didn't it, it take it. Like, eh, eh. I was know. very surprised at that. Let's, let's go to the field goal. What, what, you know, you say to yourself, what? What are you doing? Field goal. Did well, you like it in time? I, maybe he didn't have any faith because they hadn't moved the ball. Right. I mean, you know, three interceptions produced what? Three points? The Brady got, interceptions? Yes. The Brady yes. picks were the Brady picks, by the way. Well, two of them were terrible. One was <laughs> a deflection. Yeah. One was a deflection. The other two were also, didn't you think and and these are two very good offensive teams. Didn't you think there were a lot of drop passes? There seemed to be a lot of drop uh, passes to me. Yeah, but you have they have drops. I mean, the Tampa Bay is for as good as they are. They drop you know, it. They, they have drops, yeah, and and Brady's had to live with. They've had drops in the, during the regular season. I, I mean, I've watched. I we've all watched Tampa a lot this year. I don't. The, the Packers had the two point conversion was huge. Yeah, because it, it it affects the way you play the rest of the way. If the game is a three point game instead of a five point game, and that two point conversion, I know it was slightly tipped by Indomitian Sue. I don't care. Yes, it, it was in his hands. It was in yes. his hands. And it was still a spiral. It wasn't, you know, yes. a, a, a yes. duck or anything. No, it was so in the, his hands. The, you know, hey, look, you know, the number of times I thought about this last night, the number of times I've had anxiety over the Packers losing a game in my life, this could be the first one. So to hell with them. So let me get to this. And I said this at the top of the show when you didn't hear it, of course. So I'll say it again. You have always thought that John Elway is the greatest quarterback you ever saw. And John Elway's, yeah, yeah, yeah. John Elway is certainly, yeah, John Elway is certainly in that conversation. No question about that. He got to five Super Bowls. I don't yeah. think any other quarterback has gotten a five. I don't. I think he's it for five. I think he's it yeah, for I think five. So. 
This guy's in 10. Yeah. In 10. Yeah. It's, what do you make? It's unbelievable. Now, I, I, I know you laughed at me when I said they'd make the Super Bowl months ago, but but he actually no, made. this went it the other way, but it's not laughable because it's him. It's not laughable. 10. You know? 10. He's the, he's the GOAT. He's, so he's, when you he's when people times in nine attempts, when you look at Pat, yeah, and two of those he should have lost, but two that he lost he should have won. So it, yeah. it it sort of works out. When you look at Patrick Mahomes, who's a wizard, he's in his second. That's great. He's not getting a ten, right? Well, he's not getting a ten. So. I don't. I don't think so. Ten, but because he first of all, he and Andy Reid aren't going to be together long enough like Brady and Belichick were. No, oh, Andy's in his mid sixties. Andy Reid is, you know, that's right. Andy Reid is maybe a couple years older than me. I I don't see it, but um, because you have, you have so many things that can derail you, like a toe injury. I mean, I you know, I mean, you can see Mahomes was not moving with his same gait yesterday. He wasn't. That's right. That's he made right. it work. Because man, they got. Here's the thing, though. You know, when you when you look at Tyreek Hill move around the football field, he is so disruptive. It just shows you what you have when you have speed. I remember the, the, the one Super Bowl the Bears have been in in the last 30 years when they had Devin Hester. You, when you, a guy doesn't have to be involved in every play. That kind of speed, you know, the, the old saying, speed kills. And it was really about baseball often, like, you know, Maury Wills and Ricky Henderson and guys like that. When you have a, when you have a guy like that, Tony, and then you know how to deploy him, and you have a quarterback who's just laughing at the ability to use him or the, the, the coach's ability. In the, in the case of Devin Hester, who I mentioned, it was a, it was a special teams coach who had to use him. It just it, it demoralizes the other team. The other team is, is just off balance all the time, looking for this guy over their shoulders like he is some character in a horror movie. And, wow, Tyreek Hill, my God. Kansas City's weapons are just unbelievable and the number one weapon, the quarterback, he's unbelievable too. So maybe they maybe they'll win more than I thought. Maybe I, I thought, look, you win you win two, considering all the people who never won two. Aaron Rodgers didn't win two, and I don't now I don't think he will. Brett Favre didn't win two. There's a whole lot of people in the hall. Drew Brees, Drew Brees didn't win two. two. That's right. Marino That's couldn't right. even win one. Couldn't win one. Yeah. No, you're right. Um, so they I are. I don't know whether he'll, you know, string them together, but you know, they got to. You got to. You got to be healthy, which you don't know if you're going to be. There's so much at play, but to watch them, I mean, Buffalo's really, really, really good. Now let and let they, me bring something uh, up to you. Over the last month or six weeks, four to six weeks, you have been. You've had reservations about Kansas City. You've said yeah. publicly they can be beaten. This yeah. team can beat them. That team can beat them. The other team can beat them. Yeah, what I do you there think were three now? Teams total. I thought there were three yeah. teams. I, I, you know, look, there's still this. You know, this guy can beat them because he can beat anybody. That's right. That's right. So I, That's you know, right. I'm not going to say they can't be beaten. That'd be insane. I, you know, you have to look at this with Kansas City being a favorite. You have to look at it that way. Uh, yes. I, I don't. I don't. You know, that defense has kind of flexed its muscle for two weeks in a row. They didn't flex their muscle really against the Washington football team. But they have for two weeks in a row, and they've won about six or seven straight now. I, I you know, I, they're not unbeatable. They yesterday they looked unbeatable, actually. Even at 10 nothing, you're thinking, this is nothing. I've seen this. Um, but I'm not going to say they're unbeatable. Now, you can't say anyone is unbeatable when Tom Brady's on the other side. 
what would you say to this? If Tom Brady were to win the Super Bowl, that means in successive weeks he would have gone through Breeze, Rodgers, and Mahomes. That's amazing, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's just, I mean, who would ever, ever have a run like that? That's, well, that's the run it, that, that Willis Reed had. Have had that. I mean, somebody went through, you know, um, Joe Montana. The, the Giants had a, a run where they went through. They did, like, blanked Joe Gibbs, and they, they beat Montana and beat the Washington football team 17 nothing. And when Jay Schrader had to play, so it wasn't quite the same. Yeah, that was, the, yeah that was the it was Schrader, and that was that the was Phil the, Sims that team. That must have been the Lawrence yep. Taylor Giants. But, I, I, you know, I'm hesitant because what kind of defenses are you going through? I'm not worried about them going through the quarterbacks. That doesn't jazz me. Oh, Tampa Bay has a really good defense. They have a really good Tampa defense, really but good. they're not an all-time defense. They're not. They're not. No, they're not yet. But so, so I care more about the defenses you, you go through. And, and they're good. I mean, they're good. They went, they, they went through the Packers and Lambeau. That's more impressive than me than beating Aaron Rodgers. Because we just said Aaron Rodgers has won one. So somebody beats Aaron Rodgers every, every year, except one. They do. That's right. He's one you in know. four in championship games. I love him. Yeah, He's one like in Andy four. Andy Reid and Donovan McNabb. My dear friend Donovan McNabb. Donovan Ooh. McNabb was one in four and yeah. one in five in, in championship yeah. games. Yeah. All right. Talk about Larry King. Talk about our friend. Well, you know, I've, I've certainly had time to think about it. I, I was. It was five, you know five o'clock in the morning. I was in a car in Arizona, going to the airport to come back here to D.C. And I was. And you know, my dear friend Tom Burke told me. Um. And, I, you know, you start thinking about all kinds of stuff. You know, I mean, I was a kid when Larry's show, I wasn't a kid. I was, I don't know, early to around 20-ish when Larry started that, his show on CNN. And, and of course, here in Washington, because Larry, people don't necessarily realize where folks set up their camps, Larry lived in Washington and Los Angeles. And, um, you know, and then as we got to be older, I'm sure you might have run across Larry much earlier than I did, but... I would socially here and there, and, 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 you know, he read the Washington Post and knew who I was, and that was like a huge deal. But as a grown man and a fairly old man, I, I, I was 49 years old when it happened, so it was 13 years ago. It was 13 years ago this week, actually, the 28th of January is the anniversary of this thing I'm about to mention. And I, you know, suffered an episode, that's what they call it now, right, a heart attack. And I wanted to go back to work. It was Super Bowl week. It was Sunday of Super Bowl, of the beginning of Super Bowl week. And I wanted to go back to work on Thursday. And you, of course, among others, said, are you, are you on drugs? You, you can't do this. And I'm, I said, yeah, I'm coming back. And one of the things I said was, well, Larry King worked after he had a heart attack. He, he went back to work. And you said, this is stupid. You, somebody's got to talk you out of this. So I wasn't hearing it. And the phone rang when I first got home after two days and three days in the hospital. The phone rang, and Cheryl hands me the phone, and she says, is Larry King? And I go, no, it's not. Is, what, is it Junior acting like Larry King? Is it Tony? <laughs> who, who? It's not. It's not Larry King. I say, yeah, yeah, it is. It's Larry King. Hey, hey, here, take the phone. So I did, and Larry says, hey, listen, I got wind. You're trying to come back to work this week. You're not going back to work. You're not going back to work. I said, Larry, it's so nice of you to call. He said, yeah, you're not going back to work. I talked to Kornheiser already, and he's told me, and you're not doing it. I know people at ABC. I'll have them keep you out of there. And he says, tells me what i got to do. He tells me how he's had a heart attack 20 years earlier. It was. It was 20 or 21 years earlier. If it was 87, it was 21 years earlier. And he talked about how I had to drink grape juice, and I had to do this, and how I had to change my life. 
I was on the phone listening to Larry King for like a half an hour. And he said, you got you to get more exercise. You need to, you know, get a trainer today. And he talked about what happened. And, you know, it just, it, 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 to me now, now it, you know, it's surreal. And, of course, Larry, you know, helped us. He gave us, he was generous with his advice and with his advice yep. for us doing PTI. And he yep. came to the studio, as you know. And, I, you know, we had, Larry and I shared the same birthday. Um. November 19. And so there were a few times where our dear friend Linda Roth, who, you know, <laughs> close to Larry forever, had helped arrange birthday, a lunch with birth, birthday, lunch on our birthdays with Larry King. This is, this is insane. And I was like terrified the first time because <laughs> it was Larry F. King. But you know, you get to be around somebody, even if they're the most famous people in the world, and Larry was certainly one of those. And it was cool. It was just great. And then, as you know, I, I spent so much time in Southern California. Larry would have breakfast on this at this particular spot. Nice. And I, I would go. That's right. I would go there occasionally, um, and I'd sit there and have pancakes in the morning with Larry King. And then I would start going across the street to a place called the Farm, which Larry was right directly across the street. And there was, you know, maybe a time or two. So these times didn't amount to all that many. But there were, you know, a few interactions like this. And it's just, he was, there just wasn't, who's better to talk to, to tell, you know, people think they're great storytellers. They think they have great stories. Who's got better stories than Larry King? The answer is nobody has better. There's no one, there's no one who has better stories. And And he had total recall. Total recall. recall. And I, I, I was nobody, just somebody who was thrust in his life for some strange reason because of living in Washington and being in media. And, uh, but the heart attack story, it makes me laugh now. It does. It made me, it made me laugh yesterday, which I needed to, or, it, you know, made me laugh Saturday. Um, because, you know, Henry Aaron and Larry King back to back, that's, yeah. Yeah. that's, you know, you know, and, and they are both, were both larger than life figures who I would never have dreamt of knowing, not even in my thirties. Would I have dreamt of that? I don't think. I don't think I probably. I maybe met Larry King when I was forty. But yeah, but Tony, you, I, you know, I know you have, you know, similar. You just, sure. you just. At least Larry had a long. Larry, Larry and Hank Aaron, unlike a lot of some people who have left us during the pandemic, they had full rides. They had full rides. What eighty six and eighty seven, respectively. Yes. Yes. Um, and so you know, you just you start to be grateful for the the people that you know. You know, I'm grateful that the friendship with Linda Roth, which is through you for me, I, you know, it didn't result in me maybe meeting him, but it certainly resulted in ha- having contact with him. And in the, Tony, in this fall, Linda had said something. She says, you know, when is the last time you had, you put coming up on your birthday lunch with Larry? And I said, it's been, <laughs> it's been a while. And she called me back and said, listen, I wanted to see about this happening. He's in the hospital. And I was like, wow. And this is all, two, this is two months ago. Yeah. And, you know, you hope that he was going to be okay, and then it just sort of seemed that he wasn't. And uh, so, it, it, you know, I, ha- I have something to, that, that makes me laugh, and it just brings a smile to my face whenever I think about him, and that's going to always be the case. But, you know, yet another morning where you wake up and you're scared to turn the radio on. You're scared to have your ears open for anything because the news ain't good. Had us come in bunches lately. All right, I'll talk to you later. All right, Tom.
Michael Wilbon, boys and girls, we will take a break. Leon Harris of Channel 4 News will join us when we return. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the policy genius read. If getting life insurance is on your to-do list for 2021, policy genius can help you cross it off with ease. Policy genius makes it easy for you to compare more than 30 top insurers at once and save over 50% in the process. You go to policygenius.com. In minutes, you can work out how much coverage you need and compare quotes from top insurers to find your best price. Policy Genius will compare policies starting at as little as $1 a day. You might even be eligible to skip the in-person medical exam. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork and red tape. If you hit any speed bumps during the application process, they will take care of anything and everything. Make it the year you finally cross life insurance off your list. Get protection for your loved ones. Go to policygenius.com and get started. You could save 50% or more by comparing quotes and start the new year with one less thing to worry about. Policy Genius. When it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. You're listening, You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, this is Cole Wheeler. He's 17 years old. He's a senior at Oakland High School in Oakland, Illinois, which we have discovered is sort of near Champaign, Illinois, which is good. This is called Back Then. These are instrumentals. Michael, if people like... Wow, this is really good. Cole Wheeler want to send in their original music. Original music. How do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at TonyCornizerShow.com. Well, Leon Harris joins us now, and Jeannie wrote me a note probably six in the morning yesterday and it was just this leon on a1 and i got the paper and i saw leon interviewing larry king on a1 and i said leon a1 in the wapo and you're still alive yeah, so that I was i bet your immediate thought was it was it my was it my obit <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, that's a picture of you interviewing larry at the museum when was that yeah, that was about maybe five years or so ago. Um, there was this, uh, this I, mean, I think it was, it was something that was put on by the museum, uh, like an evening with Larry King, a look at the life of Larry King. And he contacted them to have them ask me to, to do it and sit down and be the interviewer, which I was flattered as hell about. And, um, you know, it was, it was really interesting to be in a, sit, in a sit-down with him where you're the one interviewing him. You know, it's usually, you know, you see these kind of things, and it's, it's supposed to be the other way around. And he was just as just as great as, um, as, a, as an interview subject as he was as an interviewer. Same exact style, very, he, he was exactly who you think he is, you know, same, same comfortability, you know, just laid back and uh, very open to anything. Did you know him well when you were at CNN? I mean, you were in a different city, but what yeah. was your sense of him when you were at CNN? Well, it's funny you should say that, because um, we, we crossed paths a few times. But, you know, when he first got there, there was a bit of a, well, I don't want to say dissension, but there, were, there, were, there was a lot of talk in the newsroom about whether or not he belonged there. You know, mm-hmm. he was doing that, that mm-hmm. late-night radio show. And so, you know, a lot of us at the network saw ourselves as, you know, competitive, competing with ABC and NBC and CBS. 
and we were a hard news channel. And we thought, why in the heck are we having on a guy who talks to people who believe in UFOs at 3 o'clock in the morning? Um, and and, and he, he never asked a hard question. He's, there's never any confrontation uh, or, you know, he never really pushed the envelope in his interview. So why in the heck was, would he be a good fit? And sure enough, in short order, he ends up being the highest rated show that, you know, ever, ever aired on the network and, and, and was that way for decades. So I was on his radio show, which was done in Crystal City. I was on it once or twice, and I have told people this, and everybody who has ever been on this radio show will swear that this is true. It is the most amazing, uncanny ability of any human being I have ever seen. During the break, the four-minute break from 56 to O or from O to 4, you know, at the top of the hour, Larry King would nap. He would fall asleep in front of you. He would fall asleep in front of you. He was asleep. You go, whoa, what is this? He was asleep. And then he would get up, and then he would do the next hour. And you go, my God, how can anybody do that? What a great ability. What a great ability that is. And I was totally amazed by that. And I said this earlier. You tell me if you agree that in the history of cable television, Mm -hmm. I would say that the two biggest stars created by cable television, all in, were Larry King and Bill O'Reilly. Am I leaving someone out? In cable news, I'd say, yeah. You could, you could toss O.J. in there, too. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. <laughs> no. yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a pretty fair assessment. And I don't think anyone, anyone on the planet has conducted as many interviews as, as Larry King did. And, I mean, I'm counting, counting, you can count Oprah, you can count Mike Wallace, you can add them all together, because yeah. he did it every day. He did yeah. it every day. Um, and that's one thing I have, to, I have to say that I really admired about him, was that he was indefatigable. He, he came and brought it every single day. And I remember reading what he said about um, why he had that prop microphone set up on the, on the desk in front of him. It wasn't hooked up to anything. But it right. was just strictly a reminder uh, to him of where he came from and that he's got to bring his best every single day if he wants to stay there. And that sort of was, was what he did. He found out what he was good at and how he was good at it. And he stuck with it and wrote it, and and you know we've all benefited from it. I got a great so, uh, story. I got a great story go that you would you would that you. I'm sure you 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 can identify with this. You'd love this. We were in Philadelphia for the Republican convention in 2000, and we were trying to drive to the convention center before our shows started, and traffic was completely gridlocked. And we, at one point, we were sitting still for about 10 minutes in this one place. So we, one, the driver of the van gets out. And he goes over to the police officer, and he shows them all our, our, our credentials and says, we've got to get inside. You've got to let us inside. The guy goes, sorry, we're, the president's on his way in here. We're not moving any, anything. Nobody moves. Everybody stays right here. Next thing you know, Larry sticks his head out the window and says, do you know who I am? I'm Larry King. <laughs> the cop looks at him and goes, holy bleep. That's Larry fucking King. Within yeah. two minutes, we had a single police car escort going the wrong way on incoming traffic lanes to get us into the convention center. <laughs> Thanks to Larry King. Uh, he was enormously well-liked. I mean, I know he asked soft questions. Yeah. But you know what, Leon? By the end of the hour, you knew who that person was that he was talking to. If you, if you stayed with it, he elicited everything. This is another little foible of Larry King. Like he would always bring on people to that radio show who had written books. And he uh-huh. never read a word of the books. No. Not, no, not a word. And, and you say, well, what do you do? And he said, well, I've got some questions. I'm curious about this, 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 and this. And he always made it work. I mean, he had, 
It's an invented character, Larry King. It's not who he was yeah. when he was a kid. You know, yeah. it's not who he was when he was a young adult. But, but that character suited him so well. I would, I guess that at CNN there was a lingering resentment because indeed it was not hard news. No. But boy, he brought eyeballs to your network. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. He put it up. He put the place on the map. He really did. With him and the Gulf War back in '91, those are the two things that, the two moves that were made by the by CNN that really made people sit up and take notice of the of the network. When he got Ross Perot to announce that he was going to run for president yeah. back in '92, uh, yeah. we never imagined anything like that would happen. And now you can't imagine a show like that where someone does not go on there to try to announce they're going to run for president. And I'll tell you something else too. In retrospect, looking back at it now, it, at that time of night. At least for years, and maybe not up until the Trump years, people didn't want hard news at night. People did right. not want it. The audience, there was no audience for it. So even though we kind of chased at the idea that you know we were busting our humps all day long to try to break news, and then we turn it over to an entertainment-based show, and it gets all the it gets all the the, 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 the credit for for raising the networks, uh, raising the tide for the network. That's what people wanted, and there's a reason why that show was the number one rated show. It's really, it really was. It galvanized an entire country. I mean, people tuned in to Larry King, and, and not, not the way they did to Walter Cronkite years before, because there's too yeah. many options out there. But Larry King, Larry King stood above a lot of these things. When you were in Atlanta, Henry Aaron had already stopped playing, obviously. But what, yeah. what was Henry Aaron's relationship to Atlanta? What did people think of him, and what did they think of the Braves as a result down there? Uh, he basically... You know, this town is uh, Maynard Jackson when he was mayor back in the uh, 70s, uh, you know, tried to market this market Atlanta as a city too busy to hate. Mm-hmm. And Hank Aaron and his achievement, uh, you know, hitting that number 755, that did more to, to sort of break the fever uh, of a lot of, of, of the racial issues that Atlanta had. Um, granted, the thing that's really amazing looking back at it is how many death threats he got. The, the fact that this man yep. was able to yep. focus and accomplish what he did when he was getting death threats, and not just him, but his children. I think I read that his, his daughter was at Fisk University, and they had the FBI following her around at school because of death threats that she was getting, and he was still able to do what he did. And, you know, the city really was growing up and trying to, trying to, get, trying to put aside its reputation for, for, for race, race problems. And Henry Aaron gave them gave us gave folks in Atlanta a really big window to to, 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 to a big doorway to take a step through uh, to bring out bring forth in Atlanta that uh, we could, more people could be proud of. And he was he was recognized as as royalty there. <laughs> he was I, royalty. I I believe this. Um, I believe that in the history of American sports, mm-hmm. when you look at all of videos and and you say to yourself, "Oh, I remember this," or "I remember that." Uh-huh. I believe that Henry Aaron hitting 715 and rounding second and then third, and those white kids, this is a yeah. black man hitting this, and those white kids run onto the field to clap him on the back. Yeah. I believe that is among the one, two, or three most joyous yeah. moments in the history of American sports, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be stupid when I say it. Mm-mm. You cannot watch that without thinking this is good. Something good is happening here. Do you feel the same way about that? Not when I first saw it. Because when uh-huh. you first saw it, you thought, oh, my God, what are they going to do to him? Oh, yeah, they um, could kill him. Right. Yeah, but it, was, it, it turned out not to be. Right. No, right, exactly. Right. And it turned, out, it turned out to be exactly as you say. It turned out to be one of the most joyous things you could possibly see. And you could see the relief on his face when he realized yeah. they weren't coming out to right. kill him. <laughs> That's right. That's and, right. 
And, and the thing is, here's, here's what the one thing that always struck me about him. I've interviewed him a couple of times, and um, uh, I did one thing I've never done. I had never done up to that point. I actually asked him to sign the book for me. Um, but the thing is, you could walk in, he could walk into a room, and you would never have any idea that the man holding the most important sports, American sports record is, is, is in your presence. He was just so, so unassuming. Um, he, he was the exact opposite of Larry King in that regard. When, if Larry walked yes. into a room with a thousand people, everybody would know that Larry was in the room. Hank could walk in, I'm sorry, Henry or Mr. Aaron, because I later learned he did not like to be called Hank. When Mr. Aaron walked into a room, he was perfectly fine if nobody in there knew who he, knew what was, knew, knew who he was and what he was bringing in there. Was his life, do you think, good or bad? Because he had to endure, yes, he has records, and yes, he has a claim, but he had to endure, much like Jackie Robinson, terrible mm-hmm. things. Now, it killed Jackie Robinson, who died in his early 50s. Yeah. Henry Aaron lived to be 87 years old, so it, it didn't. Yeah. But do you think on balance, good or bad? Well, you know, that's a good question. I would say on balance, good, for, for a different reason for a reason that, that uh, maybe this the same issue that, uh, that uh, Jackie couldn't get over. Jackie, Jackie let the pain, I guess, seep a little deeper into him than, Hank, mm-hmm. than Henry did, Mr. Aaron. Mm-hmm. Mr. Aaron, you know, kind of made it a point of, of just finding a way to not carry a grudge. He, he, he knew his work was baseball, and he just basically threw himself into that and got as much as he could out of his life and out of his body, out of his career with that. And uh, along, the way, along the way, the country changed. He made friends with people like Ted Turner, who showed yep. him a completely different side of white, of white people in this country. And so it, 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 it sort of, with him, he didn't carry that, that anger. He said he carried disappointment, but he didn't carry anger about what he went through. And so if you read his book, um, I Had a Hammer, some of the things that he reveals in that book that he went through, uh, especially when he was playing in the Negro League and in his early years in the, in the, uh, in the majors, some of those things were just, just, just abominable, and I, I got angry as hell just reading it myself. Um, and you wonder how could a person come through all that and and not be bitter? And yet he found a way, and he found a way to have a decent life in the process. So I would say, on balance, it was a good life. It was His best friend was Bud Selig. Bud Selig and he were best friends. Yeah, they they, they, yeah. they were together all the time. I get you out of here on this one thing. Uh-huh. I believe he's the home run king. I believe seven fifteen and seven fifty five, and I don't believe. Barry Bonds, but what do you believe? Um, I'm with you on that. Um, if, there were, if there were no questions about Bonds, if Bonds had gotten to 7, 750 uh, before the questions came up, I, I could see putting him in that conversation, but no, I'm with yeah. you. 755 is it. 755 yeah. is it. And All right, those, thank you, Leon. Thank I'll you. You'll be on TV care. tonight. Are you, on, are you working tonight? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay good. Today, we'll see you tonight. On all the shows. So I'll see you then. Leon Harris, boys and girls, we will take a break. We'll come back with email, jingles, stuff like that. I am Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the TurboTax read. You're one of a kind and so are your taxes. That's why TurboTax Live has experienced tax experts who are ready to listen to you, learn about your unique tax situation, and help you get the best tax outcome. Maybe you're moonlighting as a rideshare driver and have questions about what qualifies as a deduction. Maybe you want an expert to walk you through the process since most of your income last year came from freelance jobs. Or maybe you'd like to hand the whole tax filing process off to an expert while you perfect your banana bread recipe. Whether you want to file with the help of an expert or let an expert do the filing for you, TurboTax Live tax experts are here to help. 
giving you the confidence to know that you are one of a kind, uniquely you taxes are done right. Intuit TurboTax Live. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Got your email faxes and your notes. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Gonna read some for all you folks. Thank you, Gary. Uh, Nigel, you want to take the Bethesda bagel ad? Yes, Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you, and then stop on by, and you will be thrilled. We have bagels today. Michael can take one home to Liz. He didn't Sh- do share that Share the yet. bounty with the family. Yeah. yeah. Bootsy's lunch. <laughs> yeah. That'll do it for us today, but before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, didn't you do this last week? Freda, you're my older brother, and I love you, but don't ever take sides with anyone against the family again ever. Didn't you do this last week? I, I think that have. was in an email. I- was that in an email? Yeah, really? I don't think I did. Yes, maybe I did. Probably did. I think you did. Thanks to our guests today, Michael Wilbon and Leon Harris. Thanks to our sponsors today, Policy Genius, TurboTax, and HBO Max, where you'll be able to stream the little things this Friday, the 29th. And remember that you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio.com. If you get the show through iTunes, please leave us a review. Oh, and Joe Arrow, your question is being addressed. Thank you. Okay. Scott Moffat in Richmond, Virginia. Several weeks ago, Michael said he was interested in trying a Zaxby's salad. That's how they say it. Oh, with a Z. I'm still very interested. I had one for lunch yesterday, and they're great. I recommend the blue cheese salad with blackened chicken. Tell him to get in the Subaru with Liz Bootsy and the Hammer and try it out. If he comes to the Zaxby's in Richmond, it's near the Golden Corral, made famous by employees getting in a fight and stabbing each other. Ooh, five hours of total driving time. Sounds Jason perfect. in Champaign, Illinois, which is near Oakland, Illinois. A gentle cleansing rain, a fresh wind of hope, an Irish jig of good fortune. Chris Saliza, the moment fades. That was a poem for Saliza. <laughs> From Jeff Piggott. Greetings, Michael. Recently, I heard you dip into a Raffi song, I believe while discussing car trips with the lads. Having raised four kids, we had our share of Raffi, and I heard him a lot, and I like home quite a lot. But may I also commend to you another group the whole family may enjoy. Don't say Tr- the Wiggles. Trout Fishing in America. Ooh, Find them on the up. YouTube. A particular favorite is what I want is a proper cup of coffee. Our kids listen in the car, the minivan, the cassettes, which are now worn out, but suspect you can find them on Spotify. Note, if you have a chance to catch them live, they offer an adult show and a kid's show. No kids, please, for the adult show. Walker uh, demands his playlist every time we get in the car. Is that right? So you can listen to Go Pete Go. John in Herndon, a key point in the Constitution for the inauguration of the president is Article 2, Section 142, Clause 23, which states that the president must run over to Al Roker to exchange (laughs) greetings during the parade. The incoming president must do this until Al's 100th birthday or death. Lace had four years to brush up on the Constitution of the inauguration. It's not like it snuck up on him. Come on, man. Ian Reid, dear Michael, and Ian is from Edmonton, Alberta, where there are 90 mile an hour winds. The woman I'm related to by mortgage made me a grilled cheese that consisted of sourdough bread, brie cheese, and devastatingly thin apple slices. I guess to class it up, maybe. Since it was ready for me upon my arrival at home, I can't with any certainty provide the answer to the question even more pivotal than whether or not we'll be doing Stonehenge later, butter or mayonnaise. But even with that mystery currently left unsolved, can you provide a ruling as to whether or not these ingredients constructed in the aforementioned fashion would qualify what I just ate as a grilled cheese or not? Your ruling will be ordered to a house divided. Was it grilled? Grilled cheese. There you go. Now try a little brie with some pear. Ryan Cole, Ryan Coyle, Charleston, West Virginia. Please find the invitation for the virtual wedding between the woman to whom I will be related by marriage, Christine Hoke, and me, Ryan Coyle. 
Due to COVID, we're not having a large normal ceremony, and therefore I have no paper invitations to send in. Come to think of it, where would I send it anyway now that you're doing the show at your house? This felt like the next best thing. Unfortunately, I have no golf outings, no Johnny Walker Blue. I stink at the game. I've been sober for three years. Word on the street is that Charleston and West Virginia as a whole have one of the better vaccination distribution operations going. So perhaps that would be interesting to you. How about that, huh? It's interesting to I me. I could get a vaccine. Dan sure. Navin from Menominee Falls, formerly of Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. I hope I pronounced that close. All you talk about grilled cheese is good to hear. I'm born and raised in America's dairy line, and I know cheese. The outside spread selection, mayo or butter, is not as critical as the cheese you use inside the bread. If cooked properly, both spreads will yield a crunchy exterior, a requirement for good grilled cheese. You may want to try a combination of a good melting cheese, young okay. cheddar, Colby, or Gouda, with a little harder variety of Parmesan, Provolone, or Emmental. Whichever cheeses you use, put a few dashes of Worcestershire sauce on the cheese, grill it up, and you'll have the best grilled cheese ever. Ask Michael. Your discussions on food are a great replacement for the D.C. traffic reports. From Ryan in Cincinnati, when I was growing up, my father never let my, my mother never let my father put ketchup on his steak. When she would make steak, he would sneak to the fridge only to be yelled at and then sulk back to the table, no ketchup in hand. Fast forward to myself coming home from Thanksgiving break my sophomore year of college. And being the good friend I am, I brought home a friend who would not be able to travel home due to distance. My mother wanting to impress cooked steak for everyone, and my friend requested ketchup. My mother, being a good host, allowed him to have it for a steak. My father, hearing this, stands up from the table and proclaimed, Damn it! If he gets ketchup, I get ketchup! He has not been able to use ketchup since. From John A. Rigdon in North Webster, Indiana. As a longtime listener, I usually stay on top of what you're doing in your podcast. But recently, I was hospitalized for COVID. Hospitalization included 16 days in a coma, on a ventilator, as well as several days confused after that. And I stay in a rehab hospital, out of state, a rehab hospital. But after 39 days, I have been released. Thanks to the fine care I received at hospitals in Warsaw and Fort Wayne, Indiana, I'm optimistic of making a full recover. In any recovery, in any event, I missed several of your podcasts and was hoping you could update me on what's been going on. Have you had any good ravioli lately? Have you ever <laughs> thought about adding promotional codes for your products so listeners can get a discount? And by the way, what do you hear about Phil Spector? I'll hang up and listen. It's a wonderful email. Uh, it's just a wonderful, wonderful email. I, I will read one more and then get out of here. Oh, you're shuffling. Yeah, well, because one had pictures attached. Dr. John Grantham in Herndon, Virginia. I'm glad others took you to task for leaving out Barry Gordy when mentioning great 20th century record producers. I started such an email but never completed it. While doing research for my email, as one does, I came across the most amazing fact. Barry Gordy is Jimmy Carter's second cousin. Yes, that Jimmy Carter. The least amazing fact I came across is that Barry Gordy went to high school with Rufus Peabody. Okay, that isn't true, but it should be. <laughs> and then this, Keaton from Austin, Texas, after taking many punches for the omission of Sam Phillips from your music list, I was stunned to see no one reminded you about your omission of Phil Horace, the man in a really nice camper who wants to put your song on the radio. Phil may not look as sharp as Mr. White or can eat a sandwich like Playtone's Sol Siler. And sure, he doesn't have as many credits as Philip Spectrum or Martin, but without him, there's no wonders. No Captain Geach and the Shrimp Shack Shooters and the O'Neaters are just another lousy band from Erie, Pennsylvania. That's a great email. If you're out on your bike time, everyone, as always, do wear white. Later, he gets the rebound, passes it to the man, shoots it, and boom and goes the dynamite. 